Once there was a baker who made only treacle puddings and treacle tarts and treacle buns. He didn't bake anything that did not have treacle in the title or in the mix of it, and he was quite content with his little bakery tucked away in the corner of a small town and causing the sweet, sweet scent of treacle to waft about it. Each morning the townsfolk would wake up to this smell and know that all was right in the world because the baker was making his treacle puddings and treacle tarts and treacle buns and they hoped this would never, ever change. But, alas, on one particular day, the baker was taken ill. Well, this was unheard of. He had never whatsoever been ill in all of his long life. But something hit him so much so that he could not get out of bed at all, and so there was no smell of baking treacle to wake the townsfolk. This meant the townsfolk were late for breakfast. This meant the townsfolk were late for school. This meant the townsfolk were late for work. So used were they to the smell waking them up every morning that they had long since done away with clocks and alarms and the such of forgetting them up each day. A meeting was promptly held, for the baker did not rise the day after, nor the day after that either. Something had to be done to help the baker, for he was indeed important to the small town not just for the stomachs, but the minds and hearts of the whole place. They sent straight away to the city for the finest of the doctors. A week had now passed and still the baker could not get out of bed. He was prodded and poked, listened to and peered in, but none could find a thing wrong with him at all. A girl hovered on the edge of the meeting that had been called to discuss what they might do next, seeing as the fine doctors of the city were of no help to them. She piped up as soon as there was enough hush to do so. There's the old lady that lives in the woods, she called. Several sets of eyes turned sharply upon her. What old lady that lives in the woods, they asked. The old lady that lives in the woods, she said once more. Now most of the townsfolk were a good age and had lived in the small town their whole lives long and not a one had ever heard of an old lady that lives in the woods. The girl in her fine red cloak was adamant. She knew. And she said she would take just one person to the old lady that lives in the woods. Every single one of the townsfolk turned to look at the widow who sat quietly in a corner of the room. Why me? she questioned. Because you are right for the job, came the reply. And this was true in a way. She had no family, nothing to tie her to anything or anywhere anymore. Apart from the smell of treacle every morning and her silent, unmentioned, unrequited love of the baker. Yes, she was indeed right for the job. All right, she agreed and set off with the girl to the old lady that lives in the woods to see what they could see. The girl instructed the widow that there was a very, very specific way of approaching the cottage of the old lady that lives in the woods, that their hearts must be open, that they must be honest with no lies, always telling the truth. And they had to be quick for the cottage was prone to moving about the place, and if they didn't answer any questions promptly, it would be gone, skedaddled, no longer in sight. All right, 
the widow bowed her agreement, amused at the fancies of a girl's mind. Until she saw the cottage on its little legs and realised that none of this was the fancies of a girl's mind at all, but the truest of true. There was an audible gulp. Though one can't be sure if it were the widow, the girl, the cottage or the old lady lurking somewhere inside that made it. The girl and the widow stared at the cottage before the girl reached up and knocked sharply. Three times at the door. It's you, said the old lady that lives in the woods, hiding her smile of delight behind her grumpiest expression. What do you want now? Well, it so happened that the girl knew of the old lady that lives in the woods because of the treacle puddings that the old lady that lives in the woods had sniffed out of the girl's basket on those times she was prone, the girl that is, to skipping along the path in a merry fashion, the path that so happened to have a cottage choosing that exact moment to rest its legs upon it. Not sniffing out any treacle puddings this time, the old lady that lives in the woods listened to the tale the girl and the widow chose to tell and decided that the plight of the baker simply would not do at all. At all. She scurried back into her cottage, shut the door upon which the cottage folded up and bent its legs and scurried clean away. The old lady that lives in the woods had listened carefully, yes, but had not looked once at the widow herself. That's not quite true. She looked once very carefully, then not a single once more. Another week slowly sailed past. Then two. Then three. Before finally, one night, the cottage of the old lady that lives in the woods might perhaps have been seen nestled up to the baker's bakery. And perhaps also might be heard an unusual singing. And perhaps lights and smells might be glimpsed and inhaled as they poured out of the baker's flat above the bakery in the middle of the middle of the night. Of course, really, it was quite obvious what was wrong with the baker. The widow was wrong with the baker. For he had got it quite upon himself that his love for her was silent, unmentioned, unrequited too. He had patiently waited out her mourning period with not a jot of a word to any of his intentions towards her. And on the very day, the very day it was permissible for him to ask after her, to maybe even court her, was the very day he had become taken by this strange, strange malaise that not even the finest doctors of the city could find a cure for. This was why the old lady that lives in the woods only needed to look closely at the widow once to know the truth of it all. And while the outside places in the town might have witnessed strange singing and lights and smells in the middle of the middle of the night, what the baker saw, or rather felt, was a sharp slap across the face. Pull yourself out of it, man, the old lady that lives in the woods said to him. She loves you. Get on with it. And that was her done. That was the baker told very firmly and exactly what he had to do. So scared was he of the old lady that lives in the woods that the very next day he did exactly as he was instructed to do. He baked the treacle cake he had waited ten long years to bake. Baked in the shape of a large heart. Baked with a soft, sticky centre and he placed it on the doorstep of the widow, knocked on her door and ran away.
hiding behind the wall of the house opposite, peeking around the corner to see what he might see. The widow opened her door and picked up the box, a gold box tied with gold ribbon. She smelled the treacle cake that was held within and smiled, shyly, blushingly. She sneaked a glance about her and, not seeing a soul anywhere, peeked inside the box and nibbled at the edge of the cake. Oh my, it was heavenly. Now the widow in turn was a binder of books and she herself had been waiting ten long years for one particular occasion, one particular book to be given to the baker in response. So in the middle of the middle of the next night, the baker had become embarrassed at the sight of the widow nibbling at the edge of the cake and he'd run away again. Well, the widow scurried through the town and placed the book she had bound for him through his letterbox, then herself scurried away once more. This sweetness and running away and scurrying went on for seven more days and seven more nights, the two of them leaving beautiful gifts for the other to find. Their courtship would perhaps have continued like this for an exasperating long time if they had not accidentally set off at the same time on the ninth day. So wrapped up in their business were they, so shy were they, making sure no one else saw their running and scurrying were they, that they bumped straight into the other, their lips smacking together in a most satisfying way. A way that brought with it an oh of surprise to their eyes and an oh of delight to their hearts as the smacking together of lips in accident turned into a kiss of purpose that lasted longer and longer and longer still. They would have stood there like that the rest of the day. They had both waited ten years for this moment after all, if it were not for the children of the town who had ran about them and tied ribbons to them, binding their hands and feet and legs and arms together. Happily ever after, they whispered to each other. Happily ever after.